Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northern Wind Fantasy Podcast. My name is Zach. I'm Jake, and we are the Free Rivers Boys. And we're here today to talk about some big news that happened in the Wheel of Time fandom uh, this last couple weeks. What was it, like two weeks ago now? We meant to get this out sooner, but Jake was a little under the weather, so... Having a toddler is rough. Preschool <laughs> has been hard on me. Yeah, it happens to the best of us. Those little munchkins are just like... Little germ factories. Yeah. I love you, Lola, if you ever listen to this. <laughs> but yeah, it's the 10th anniversary of the last book in the Wheel of Time series, uh, A Memory of Light. So... Now, the author, Brandon Sanderson, has been allowed by the Robert Jordan estate to come out and release some big secrets that he's been contractually obligated to keep under wraps for the last 10 years. I love the idea of this more than I do the releases that came out. Yeah, they they weren't that crazy to me, but they are pretty interesting at the same time, too. Uh, Some people are shook. But before we get into that, like I, I just love the idea that before we uh, say anything, I guess full spoiler warning for like the entire Wheel of Time series. Yeah, we're immediately going to get into like the actual, like literally the last thing that happens in the books here. <laughs> so, uh, what was I saying? I like that Harriet and Brando got together. Harriet is Robert Jordan's wife, who is also his editor. editor. Uh, so she is super involved in the stories. You know, she's like a, a force to be reckoned with at the wheel of time, right? Um, and Brandon Sanderson, who finished the last couple of books, made this pact to not release these secrets for so long, and then created some of these secrets together. Like the Landfear stuff was worked with the Jordan Estate. It, it's really neat. It's a neat thing to do. Yeah, Brandon wasn't allowed to do anything without their approval. So even though I think it was his idea entirely, but he had to get the okay to go ahead with it. <laughs> I mean, with that said, at the at the same time, Harriet trusted him a lot and told him to, you know, like, do your own thing. You have to make bold choices. Yeah. Which I think is uh, pretty demonstrative of her professional side, you know, as a editor and all that she knows uh, what makes a good book and what doesn't it is pretty cool to or i guess maybe hard to imagine handing off your life's work to somebody else to finish something that you created with someone you love so dearly being like here you go wrap this up for me i don't think she would have had the fortitude to give him that much creative license if she wouldn't have been like a an editor in the first place, you know, where she's used to working with authors and stuff. Okay. That's just, that's a good take. I could see, uh, just the regular non book industry person being a little bit more jealous of their spouse's creation. This is a product. I wanted to get put out. I see it. Okay. So, Let's talk about some of the uh, big secrets here. How does Raid light his pipe, Zach? Uh, that was kind of a non-answer, I guess. <laughs> Brandon doesn't know. Uh, this is one of those things that he got that was like a completely written scene. The thing with Rand lighting his pipe at the very end of the story. 
after he's switched bodies and he's just kind of like riding off into the sunset. He has this moment where he takes his pipe and it just like lights itself and he starts puffing on it. And everybody's like, how does he do that? He wasn't channeling. He can't even like touch the source anymore, they say. So like, how did that happen? And the answer is nobody knows. Do you want to, what, what do you think happens? I, I, I think if you want me to go first. Go ahead. I, I'm a, in the camp that he is like friends with the pattern now and can kind of will it how he pleases. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I can dig that. I think that's more or less what Brandon said his theory is too, if I remember right. Yeah, I think so. He you has know, his I own fan theories about this. He has his own fan theories about this stuff, even when he doesn't have a definitive canon answer that he was allowed to come up with. <laughs> and I, I love that. I love that he is a Wheel of Time nerd. He's a, a guy that grew up reading it as a kid and had all these things thought out. And he made some characters really interesting. You know, Telemanes is a good example of a character that Sanderson really made shine. Yeah, I really like Tom Wannis. Okay, so uh, next one on the line. Who is Nakomi? This was one that kind of bugged me more than anything else, was this like random Aiel lady who shows up in the desert with Avienda while she's on her trip back to Rordion again for the, what is that, the second time that she goes? Yes, and I didn't, even remember who this was at first i you had to tell me the name who you know where she showed up at she's uh, like this yoda lady basically where she shows up like by the side of the fire and yeah like, feeds avienda and she's like here's all this like astrological wisdom of how the universe works and i'm gonna disappear when you wake up in the morning <laughs> yeah she i mean I guess I just didn't think about it when I read it. Like once he said, Oh, this is, he said, it's the creator's avatar is basically what Sanderson explained it as. Right. Yeah. So if you remember Shadar Haran, he's the fade that is supposed to be the avatar of the dark one. Well, uh, Nakomi is the avatar of the creator, I guess, as a kind of like mirror, mirror image of Shadow Haran. Cool. Yeah. So w- w- once that was explained, it does sort of make sense. Like, okay, this does seem like some sort of mystical person once you put a pin in it. And Brandon explained, I think, also that like later on during Rand's final confrontation with the Dark One, there's like this woman's voice that speaks in his head. And I think there's one at the beginning of the, there's like an unexplained voice in the very first book too, after his like confrontation with Balzamon. And I, so I guess that's supposed to be like Nakomi's voice as the avatar of the creator of speaking to Rand. Interesting. Yeah. I like that a lot. That was a cool one. Uh, looping back to, the body swapping that we mentioned, we got some confirmation on exactly how all that worked, which was, that was confusing for me the first time I read it. It's confusing the second time I read it too. (laughs) (laughs) 
it is very much foreshadowed, I guess, the whole time with Alana, where she's there's that prophecy where, or no, it's not Alana, it's that uh, Sean Chan Chandler, right? I can't remember what her name is now, but she's supposed to like help Rand die or something. Bill Doman's wife, that lady? No, not her. She doesn't channel at all. Oh no, you're talking about the the really powerful Sean That's Chan. That's like and yeah, I'm talking about that like 800 year old Sean Chan lady. Yeah, yeah. Her name is slipping my mind right now, but anyhow. That's she was a character. She was a character that I didn't even really notice on the first read, but she was pretty cool in my read last yeah, read through. She's a little bit of a outlier, I guess, a side side character. <laughs> I, I guess that's you have to be like really obsessed with these books. And don't get me wrong, I love them. I've read fifteen books twice. I think that's way beyond what most people are willing to commit to a series, but. Some of these people have read them a lot more than me, and I think you need to to catch these threads, these tiny little threads. I, I think there is maybe lots of foreshadowing. I'm doing air quotes if you can't see me, uh, but it's spread out so far. I can see you, and you didn't actually do air quotes. Ah, oh, Zach, you weren't supposed to spoil <laughs> it. <laughs> it was off screen here. I just did it with my other hand here. <laughs> <laughs> sorry what were you saying uh that the foreshadowing is so spread out you know it's it's like a bobber lost in the ocean right i'm sure you could find it and see it if you know what you're looking for but as someone who's a more casual reader you you miss this stuff so a lot of this really blew me away yeah, I didn't understand any of this body swap stuff. <laughs> I need to so, reread it again. I need to reread the whole series now, knowing some of these spoilers. So this is uh, the Crown of Swords, I think. When this happens, Rand is in his big confrontation with one of the Forsaken. I think his which one is that? so Rand is having his big uh, confrontation with Samael. And they start off in Ilion, but then Samuel's like, yeah, this is my crib here. I don't want to fuck it up fighting you if I win and lose my whole crib. Let's go fight in Shell Ghoul and see how that goes. And if we fuck everything up, it won't matter. So it's kind of like an old DBZ movie now. Where they're like, let's fight in this abandoned plane. That's great. I, I, <laughs> I don't think I actually noticed that really either. So That's they, hilarious. They get way over to Shatter Lugoth and start fighting. And uh, they get separated for a while, I think. And Rand is getting like surrounded by Mashadar. And this mysterious dude shows up that he doesn't recognize. And they start channeling Balefire into Mashadar to fuck it up and drive it off. And their Balefire streams cross like in uh, Ghostbusters, you know. You're not supposed to cross the streams, but they do. And they have this weird thing where they like see through each other's eyes for a minute and it, they're like consciousness is almost merged together. And then after a while, they kind of like shake it off and go back to doing their due. And that's just kind of like forgotten about for another what, like, shit, that's book seven. So seven books. <laughs> yeah. Again, when you spell it out, it's, 
okay, yeah, totally. I see that. But <laughs> reading it, how am I supposed to remember that? <laughs> yeah, the mysterious guy, of course, is Moradin, who's in his new body for the first time. Rain doesn't recognize him. But we'll come to recognize him, of course, later on. And when they get done at Shale Ghoul and Rand is like mortally wounded and Ishamael just wants to like die. So because their souls kind of have this bridge between them, the soul that wants to live goes in the body that wants to live and the soul that wants to die goes in the body that's going to die. And that's how we end up with Rand inhabiting Morden's body and Morden dying in Rand's broken body. That's beautiful. Yeah, pretty uh, pretty chill. I did think that was a great ending for Rand, the way he gets to just like ride off in obscurity as this unrecognizable dude. There was no way that he was ever going to be able to get the piece that he wanted if people recognized him as the Dragon Reborn all the time. I think happy endings are really hard to do, and I honestly don't want them most of the time and we've talked about this on the pod before Stephen King gets a lot of shit because he doesn't give you happy endings a lot of the time and people are like oh Stephen King's bad at endings like no he just ends books like he doesn't put a big bow on it you know what I mean but that's honestly more realistic to life things don't come with a bow on them but this is a story that has a wonderfully happy ending and it's That's so satisfying, satisfying. Yeah. <laughs> seeing Rand. It's it's a perfect happy ending, and it I'm is, glad yeah. that I'm glad that Jordan wrote it. Uh, almost all this real final battle stuff was already written. Sanderson just needed to fill in a lot, and I don't know about that. I think Sanderson wrote a lot. For this very end wrap up stuff here, I think all this was like yeah, all... like the the very like last couple pages, I think were mostly Robert Jordan. Yeah, I I think the like the conclusion, all the wrap up points, you know, were figured out already. So that's cool. Okay, now we get to the big bomb, the one that has everybody up in arms. Uh. It turns out that more than one Forsaken actually survives Tarbon Gaiden. Lanfear made it out of there alive, too. I did not see that Who, Who's the other Forsaken that survives? Mo Gideon. Where's she at? She gets captured by the Shanshan and uh, collared. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, I guess I didn't like count that as surviving. <laughs> that's cool. She that's good. <laughs> Hopefully, Landfair catches. The, she gets caught up too. Yeah. So, Brandon had this big problem. He says where Landfair is like one of the smartest people in the world, and she should recognize that she's kind of played herself into a corner here where she's fucked either way, no matter who wins the last battle. She hasn't been loyal enough to the Dark One to avoid getting roasted if he wins. And of course, if the side of the light wins, they're not just going to be cool with a Forsaken running around. So she's in a bit of a pickle, and she's got to do something to get out of it. What's she going to do? 
fake her own death, of course. Uh, this... she... <laughs> I'm so torn about this. The, the way she does it, she kind of turns Perrin into a patsy, I guess. Like, she recognizes him as the most gullible and most believable witness, I guess, at the same time. It's true. Like, Perrin is... I don't think anybody would say Perrin is stupid, but he's definitely not as crafty as the other two. He takes things as they are. He believes his own eyes. Yeah. So, Lanfear being the more experienced and Teleron Riyadh uses some kind of clever combination of both uh, compulsion and tell Ron Riyadh bullshit to convince Perrin that he has killed her in Shell Ghoul, when in reality she uh, makes a clean getaway. Damn. So, here's how I feel about this. It's really cool for Lanfear. I like her character. I love all the Forsaken. I wish there was more Forsaken chapters, first off, if I have one critique of... I would enjoy that more, probably. The Wheel of Time. Those are like far more and above. Like they're, I like them so much more on my more on my rereads. Oh yeah, read through because every word of the Forsaken chapters is like drippy. You're like, this is everything's like this little crumb from the Age of Legends or something. Yeah, it's, it's it's all just like packed with allusions to like the way things worked back then and how the world works and the magic works and the dark one works. Yeah. There's so much knowledge. Like the, the stuff with the Corsuvra. Am I saying that right? That's the thing that land fear yeah, gets the, put on her. The soul trap. Yeah. Like that. Oh, that shit's so cool. I, I really on my, cool. on my first read, I didn't even understand what that was going on. I guess like that almost went completely over my head. That That took me a while to figure out what was happening with that. Yeah. I remember that. Like, I knew she was, like, in a bad way, but, like, on my reread, I was like, oh, this is terrible. This <laughs> sucks for you. Morden's a bad dude. Yeah, I don't feel bad for Lanfear. It's great. But her character is very interesting. And it's cool that she survived. I love how crafty that makes her. But it also, like, kicks Perrin in the nuts. And Perrin's one of my favorite characters. So seeing him get kicked in the nuts kind of sucks. I don't know if I would say kicked in the nuts. It definitely knocks him down a peg, but I don't know if that makes him... It depends for me on, like, how far back this trickery goes. Like, Brandon insinuates that Lanfear was kind of leading Perrin on to make him more confident in his Teleron Riot abilities than he really was but like how much of that is real and how much of it is bullshit like everything with his fight with slayer is real i would assume well and that's i feel like slayer is built up so much as i guess maybe not the best they say land fears the best a couple of times but i I thought even like the forsaken were afraid of slayer a little bit until i ran riyadh I don't know. That might be part of the bullshitting. Totally, totally. <laughs> and that's that's the thing is it's all like 100% believable. 
and it's obviously true you know uh who am i to say it's not it is kind of weird how easily Lanfear goes down. And I remember thinking that, like, when I read it, I was like, man, she builds up this, like, whole plan with Perrin, and it kind of is a dumb plan for somebody who's supposed to be, like, this all-time best plotter. But isn't that true with all the Forsaken? They're all kind of fucking idiots. Yeah, so I was just like, oh, she died because of her own hubris, just like all the other ones. Yeah. It does uh, kind of redeem the Forsaken, I think, as a group and make them not so laughable like that she survived. Like the, Some of them are competent. <laughs> and this is why I'm torn, because I, I love the Forsaken again. You know, it's it does. It totally adds that uh, element to it. And I I like that. And all, but really, all it does is make Perrin the second most powerful Teleron Rod user of all time, which is like not a bad achievement, I guess. Still, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> Perrin's still badass. It, it, it knocks him down a little bit, but not enough to be like, "Oh, Perrin sucks now." I don't think, or anything like that. I don't. It, for me, it knocks him down more than a little bit, like because she played him almost. I I don't know. That's the like I tell myself it just barely worked. Getting played by Lanfear is like losing to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, man. I mean, what are you going to do about it sometimes? Yeah, that but when you're best. when you're throw a quarterback name at me, Patrick Mahomes, you're supposed to be a guy who can beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl, right? Well, he's lost to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Ah, man, did he? I picked yeah. the wrong example. <laughs> Who's the guy? Eli Manning. Ben Roethlisberger. Nah, they never played in the Super Bowl. Eli Manning beat him in the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, twice, I think. Boom. I know about football. Yeah, that all goes to say, you know, Lanfear is... There's no shame in losing one to Lanfear every once in a while. That's true. I was still just like... It like hurts me to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just Was have there... to think I have to think about how cool the land fear part is and not think about that parents not the best anymore. Do you know who uh Matt Hatch is with the Dusty Wheel podcast? Yeah. He's he he said that he thought this was obvious and it blew it blew my mind. Yeah, he called it from like he was an early access like beta reader of Brandon's from when he was like in rough drafts of this book. And he caught it like the first beta read, which is like fucking insane to me, dude. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's that brings us back to the beginning of the podcast where I was kind of talking about levels of people that read this stuff, you know, or catching yeah. the foreshadowing, how much you have to pay attention. That guy from the Dusty Wheel had to have read these books a lot of times and just spent a lot of time just in different characters' heads to catch that. You know what I'm saying by in their heads? Like, sometimes I just yeah. think as a character, you know? Like, I really try and process the decisions they're making and how they got there. And he must just have done that just, like, tw- 24 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of these OG fans, and I wish I was there at the beginning like you guys were, they were just like... 
reading the books over and over again in between like how you and i used to watch game of thrones like we'd binge the whole show in between seasons you know when the next one was coming out (laughs) that's how i imagined him getting there too is that like you were just chomping for the next book so you reread and you like the next book came out and then you're waiting for the next one so you reread so they probably reread the series 20 times you know yeah I'm jealous. I wish I was that into it and I could be that knowledgeable. <laughs> I definitely plan on rereading the Wheel of Time a lot. That's that's in there with like Lord of the Rings for me, where I just kind of assume I'll read those books. I'm halfway through my third one right now. Every couple of years. Your third reread on Wheel of Time? Well, I guess it's like two and a half. I didn't do like a total reread my second time. I just kind of like read the ones I liked. Oh, I didn't know you did that. I did it with you when you read it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess you did, huh? (laughs) But I'm on like, I just finished uh, Crown of Swords and I'm taking a break. That was cool that I had just read that scene of Crown Swords with uh, Moradin, like right before they explained that whole thing. So I knew exactly like what they were talking about. <laughs> See, that's why I, that's why I need to reread it too. But do you do you feel like you'll continue to reread Wheel of Time? I mean, yeah, probably every couple of years. It's definitely a series that's imprinted in my brain. I never thought I would say that going into it. I looked at it as like a Mount Everest thing. I was like, you can bang out wheel of time and tell people you did that for the rest of your life. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of felt the same way. It's like a comfort food now where I just kind of come back to it when I don't know what else to read. Yeah. You know what? I'll just, I'll just read the next wheel of time book, I guess again. (laughs) And it feels like jumping into the biggest swimming pool. You know, it just feels like you can get so lost and so immersed in it. it. It, at any point in the book, you can just throw your audible on and yeah, kick back. Were there any mysteries that you wanted to know about that did not get revealed? Um, maybe not a mystery, but Sando did say in this release that he he wished he could have done more with Pot and Fane, and. I well, how do I say this? Like I appreciated hearing that. I I wanted more pot on fane stuff too. Or he's been well, pretty vocal about that. Yeah, I think that's probably his biggest regret about how he finished the series was making pot and fane a little underwhelming. Which is is not his fault, you know. That's a lot of things to land all at once, you know. And he did it for nine out of ten of them, so standing ovation uh, probably more <laughs> probably more than nine out of ten it's probably more like 19 out of 20 or something all right roland when you get into uh, i just finished Wolves of the Cala. when you get into uh you know like the generals and all the yeah. side characters plots wrapping up nicely like uh alteraldo's i Teralda. There you go. His plot is mwah, chef's kiss. Uh, yeah, I love Rotolaterolda. A lot of characters are really well wrapped up. I would say, honestly, Pot and Fane's the only one that comes to mind that didn't get that nice little... I was hoping for some hints about what happened to the characters like after 
uh, the series was over because I know that Robert Jordan had planned to write like a whole nother series about Matt in the Shawshank continent with Tuan and it's like heading over there to kill him or something. He did say something about Rand's wives meeting up with him, right? I or think he I, was. I think I he was just that. kind of like making it up as he went with that. I don't think that was something that was in Robert Jordan's notes. Okay, okay, okay. No, that Maybe. that would be that would be awesome, Matt and in Sean Chan. Oh man, that'd be cool. I can yeah, get lost I, thinking about that. I would like to know what his plans were for those books, but I guess there's probably just nothing on them if it hasn't been released now. It'd be cool if they would do like a book where they published his notes. Like a lot of Tolkien stuff like that has been published. It'd be it'd be neat to see some things like that come out. Like yeah. that L- Luthen. Or, 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 I'm sorry. Uh, Baron the Fall of Luthien. No, I, I just bought you a book that was... Oh, The Fall of Gondolin? Yeah, it's like a couple of drafts, right? Baron and Luthien's the same way. Oh, okay. If you get the the whole book version of it. So that's like a cool academic take on it. I think they've been doing a lot of that with like the World of Wheel of Time stuff. Or something similar, I guess. Uh, I don't know. It would be cool to see more of it. We'll have to go to the Citadel someday and read his notes. Hell yeah. <laughs> Send us money, dear listeners, so we can do that. <laughs> All right. I think that's probably it. We're at about a half hour right now, so let's uh, call it a night, huh? Yeah. This has been fun. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Get at us on Twitter. I want to see what you guys think of these big announcements. We're at Three Rivers Boys. That's three spelled out. Uh, I'd love to talk about this stuff with you guys, see what you think. Other than that, we'll see you next time. Uh, We're the Three Rivers Boys, and this has been the Northern Wind Fantasy Podcast. Thanks, guys. Read more books. Read more books. We miss you, Steve.